Welcome to the Hope Unlimited Church podcast. We are so honored to connect with you and we pray that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Grab your Bible and go to the book of Haggai. Thanks, uh, Jansen, I appreciate it. Go to Haggai chapter one, and then we're gonna go to Matthew 25. Haggai chapter number one, and Matthew chapter number 25. While you're turning there, uh, I, I almost changed. We're in the middle of a, of a series, and I almost completely changed it just because of everything going on uh, in the country. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, uh, I don't know what to tell you at this point. Um, everything going on in the country, I felt that I might need to get up and preach about it. We did this all last year. We dealt with uh, the racial tensions in the late spring, early summer. We preached on the politics of Jesus. We've preached on this, that, and the other. And I'm really, I'm really ready to just not have to make a public statement about something controversial. That would be really great. That would be really fantastic. That was all of last year. Right? Make a public statement about something controversial. Um, so I was going to get up and preach on a couple of things this morning. I'm not going to do that. I can't make any promises about next week. Uh, Stephen was, was stoking the fire through text message saying, you need to, and Cole was saying, now we need to stay focused on what we've been talking about. And Steve was like, nope, this is what's in the moment. This is what God's saying. So uh, just to make a, this isn't a, this isn't a statement. This isn't an official public press release, but obviously we need to be praying for our country. We specifically need to be praying this week with the, the threats of violence and uh, just the chaos that we saw, what, a week ago, two weeks ago. We need to be praying. Um, all of that behavior has no place in the Christian life. Okay. When I saw the, you and we all watched the Capitol situation, and I saw people toting uh, signs that said, Jesus saves and they erected a gallows with a noose for the vice president and a cross. And if your vision of the Christian faith allows those two things to stand together, your version of the Christian faith is perverted. Amen. If you can look at those two things and make sense out of both of them, you have a deformed theology. And a skewed vision of who Jesus is. I saw some videos this week of people breaking the windows of the Capitol and walking in. And while they're walking in, they're saying things like, in the name of Jesus. In the name of... No, 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 don't stop all that. Because if you declare the name of Jesus, but it doesn't have the character of Jesus, it's just words. It's just words. We have fallen prey to the very same things that the ancient world fell prey to when they were waiting on a Messiah. We want a Savior to come that will overthrow the kingdoms of this world with a sword. And Jesus came and overthrew the kingdoms of this world through suffering love, through a cross, 
through a towel. That is the king that we're following. That's the king that we're following. I saw somebody sent me a clip of a preacher the other day, and I don't know this guy. I'm sure he's a wonderful guy. And we've talked about this a little bit in our, just in all of our ramblings over the last year. We did a whole class on the book of Revelation where we talked about this extensively. But I I saw a guy put up a clip and he talked about Jesus is not this meek, mild, um, feminine character that we make him out to be. Which is fine. I mean, I agree with that. But he he refuted that by saying, when you think of Jesus coming back, you need, this is his words, you need to think of Rambo. And then he made his hands like a gun and then started making gun sounds, machine gun sounds. And that's what he's going to do to the wicked. Right? The battle of Armageddon. Glory to God. You got to get that graveling. Glory to God. That's who he is. That's not who he is. When we see the vision of Jesus in Revelation 19 coming back, the Bible does not say the sword's in his hand. The Bible said the sword comes out of his mouth. That he's victorious by what he says, not by who he slays. That he has a vesture dipped in blood. Not the blood of his enemies, but dipped in his own blood because he paid the price for us. That's the king that we serve. You hearing what I'm saying? If you remember in the Old Testament, David wanted to build God a tabernacle. And God said, you cannot build me a tabernacle because there's too much blood on your hands. And when we see the figure of David in the book of Revelation, we see Jesus who is able to build God a tabernacle. Not because there's blood of his enemies on his hands, but because it's his own blood that's on his hands. That's the Jesus way. That's the Jesus way. So any of this stuff that we see, that we, that we varnish it, we cover it over with a Christian gloss, is not Christian at all. It's not Christian at all. And so we stand against that. I understand there are people that are upset about the, the elections and, and all that kind of thing. I'm not even talking about that stuff. I'm talking about we do not impose the kingdom of God through force. We do it through loving our neighbor as ourself. Amen? So there's that. There's that. I was going to preach on, this is a big phrase that you'll hear thrown around now. I was going to preach about Christian nationalism. I'm not going to do that. So relax. Now next week, I can't make any promises. I might watch the news, something get tweaked, and I have to go off. I don't know. But this nationalism where we collapse our Americanism with our Christianity to the point that they're one and the same. There's no place for that. You are in this world. You are not of this world. Do not be conformed to this world. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Render to Caesar what is Caesar's because there's some things that do belong to Caesar, but then render to God the things that are God's. That's what Paul meant when he said, if you confess that Jesus is Lord, he wrote that to Rome. 
And what he's saying is, Jesus is Lord, Caesar is not. Hear what I'm saying? So, there's that. (laughs) We're going to have a lot of those this morning. And so, we've got to think correctly about this. We've got to view these things correctly. This isn't about elections. This isn't about none of that. This is about as the people of God, our greatest weapon is love and justice and mercy. Right? And that's, that's it. That's what we're called to. That's God's vision for the end. When he says, you're going to take your spears and you're going to beat them into plowshares. You're going to take your tools of, of, of war and you're going to beat them into weapons to feed the community. That's God's vision for us. Amen? All right, let's get into this. Haggai chapter number one. And uh, we'll look at verse number... I want to read one verse to you, and then we're going to go to Matthew 25. Haggai chapter number one. Yes, it is a book in your Bible. Some of you had to go to the table of contents during that whole rant. It's all good. No judgment. Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, Malachi. I had a dear sister one time come to me when I was a teenager. I was a youth pastor at a church. And she came to me and she said, you're going to be, she couldn't pronounce the books of the Bible. Me saying Malachi made me think about it. She came to me and she said, you're going to be so proud. I said, well, girl, what happened? She said, I just finished reading my Bible from Job to Malachi. Job to Malachi. I said, well, glory to God. She said, you know what I'm going to start on next? I said, what's that? She said, I'm going to start reading Detrimony. Deuteronomy. So go to Haggai, or Haggai, or Haga, however you want to say it. Big H, whatever you want to call it. Haggai chapter number one, verse number six. You have sown much, harvested little. You have sown much, harvested little. Now we always teach that if you give, it will be given back to you multiplied. Right? That's, that's like one of our things in Christianity. If you sow, you'll reap, and what you reap back, what you reap back, God has multiplied. You've sown much, but you've harvested little. So that's actually not true. You can sow and not reap back. I'll explain it to you. You eat, but you don't have enough. <laughs> Sounds like my house after we go grocery shopping. My kids, you eat, but there's never enough. You drink, but you never have your feel. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. Watch this. And you that earn wages, earn wages to put them into a bag that has holes. You earn, but the bag you're putting it in, everything that comes back to you is leaking out of it. Okay? You've sown, you've given, but there's no harvest because everything that comes back to you is leaving you and it's leaving you because there's holes in your purse. There's holes in your bag. Now put your, put your little ribbon thing right there and go to Matthew 25. Matthew's gospel chapter 25 verse number 14. Verse 
For it is, Jesus is teaching a parable, and he says, the kingdom of God is as if a man going on a journey summoned his slaves and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. We've always preached this as though the word talent is actually what we think of when we think talent, like the ability to sing or dance. That is not what he's talking about. When he talks about talent, he's talking about money. Everybody say money. He's talking about money. The king came, he called his servants to him, he gave him five talents, two talents, one talent. Then he went his way, verse 16. The one that had received the five talents went off, went off at once, went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one that had two had made the one, let me start over, verse 17. In the same way, the one who had the two talents made two more talents. But the one who had her, <laughs> I can't read. I literally can't read. But the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground and hid his master's money. I want to start having a reader like they do in the black church. <laughs> After a long time, the master of those slaves came and settled accounts with him. Then the one who had received the five talents came forward bringing five more talents, saying, Master, you've handed over to me five talents. See, I've made five more talents. His master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy slave. You've been trustworthy in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with the two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed over to me two talents. See, I've made two more talents. His master said to him, well done, good and trustworthy slave. You've been trustworthy in a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Enter to the joy of your master. Then the one who had received the one talent also came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seed. So I was afraid, watch this, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master replied, you wicked and lazy slave. You knew, did you, that I reap where I did not sow and gathered where I did not scatter? Then you, watch this verse, watch verse 27. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers. And on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return, I would have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with ten talents. For to all those who have, more will be given, and they will have abundance. But from those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. Amen. We started talking two weeks ago on God calling his church, not to be, not to be, I don't like the word rich, but to be financially empowered. That God wants the church to have more than enough because there's always somebody that won't have enough. Right? And we talked about the two legs that that stands on generosity, and we've preached on generosity, we've preached on giving. And I promise you at some point in the future, we'll preach on giving again. This is not a giving series. Generosity and stewardship. 
typically for Christians, especially spirit-filled Christians, we think that the, the, the essence of our money management is just tithe. And then God knows what happens to the rest. Right? Put in the 10%, and then it's, it's every man's guess after that. Wealth is designed to do two things. According to the scriptures, it's designed to do two things. To take care of your family and to take care of others. And if God can get money through you, God can get money to you. Right? That's why giving is important. If he can't get it through you, he'll never get it to you. He's got to get it through you and he can get it to you. We talked about wealth, the, the pursuit of being financially empowered as a noble and a righteous thing. Okay? I told you the story about Jacqueline that we met in the old city three weeks ago, two weeks ago, who was homeless. And how her answer, yeah, we prayed for her, but after we prayed, Jacqueline needed somewhere to sleep. After we prayed, Jacqueline hadn't eaten in two days. And James talks about this when he says, how can you, if you look at your brother or sister and you see them in need and you say, be warm, faith confession, <laughs> you're not hungry or homeless. You're just waiting on the blessing. Be warm, be filled. And you have this world's good and you don't distribute to them. How does the love of God dwell in you? Faith without works is dead. We pray for the hungry to be fed. Then we feed the hungry. That's how prayer works. In Matthew chapter 9, I believe it is, or Mark chapter 9, Jesus looks at his disciples. Watch, everybody look at me. Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, pray the Lord of the harvest that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. That's at the end of chapter 9. Beginning of chapter 10, the Bible says Jesus called them to him and sent them out. Chapter 9, pray for laborers. Chapter 10, now you go labor. Jesus is saying you become the answer to your own prayers. You hearing what I'm saying? John said it this way. He said, if you see your brother have need and you shut up in the King James, your bowels of compassion. How do you love the God you can't see when you don't even love the brother you can't see? The great commandments, right? Jesus, what must we do and inherit eternal life? Or what's the greatest of the commandments? Love God, love your neighbor. And we've always categorized that in this way. Love God first, and then after that, love neighbor. But so many of us are spending so much time trying to love God right that we never get to the neighbor part. Most of our prayer life is spent about us loving God right, never loving our neighbor. And what Jesus is actually saying is, the way you love me is by loving your neighbor. It's not priority one and then priority two. If you do priority two, you are doing priority one. You hearing me? That's why we have to be empowered. Financially. 
We have to get to the place where the only thing we have to offer people is not just prayer and Christian platitudes. And I could have quoted the entire New Testament to Jacqueline and she would have walked off still hungry and homeless. She needed money. So we walked to the ATM and got some money. Because that, that, that is the kingdom of God. Manifesting solutions to actual problems instead of glossing it over with our Christianese. Right? But before we get to being empowered, the way we're talking about it, because God said, I've given you the power to get wealth that you may establish my covenant in the earth. Before we get to that part, there's some work we got to do. And we talked about this last week. Y'all with me? The first thing we got to do is we have to get our lifestyle right. Got to get our lifestyle right. We've already talked about this. Meaning we got to live within your means. I know that hurts. We've got to, and I'm about to cuss, budget. Right? A budget is not, a budget is not, if, if you don't budget, you will, if you don't tell your money where to go, you'll spend your entire life wondering where it's at. Right? You're about to get this revelation when you file your taxes. You're going to get a W-2 that's going to show you all the money you made. And then you're going to look at your savings account and say, that's a mathematical impossibility. How in God's name did that happen? Told you about a couple I talked to not too long ago. They spent $3,000 a month eating out and was worried about paying for their kid's college. You're eating it. (laughs) Turkey Creek's got your kid's college fund. (laughs) Right? You got to get our lifestyle right. Got to get our lifestyle right. This is not what I'm going to talk about today. We're going to talk about something else. But you got to get your lifestyle right. You got to get out of debt. The borrower's slave to the lender. The borrower's slave to the lender. Debt eats tomorrow's prosperity today. It eats tomorrow's prosperity today. If you, listen, if we don't learn, if you don't learn to live within your means, if you don't learn to budget and tell your money where to go, if you don't get out of debt, your bag's always going to have holes in it. Because everything God sends you is going to go straight to American Express, not to Jacqueline. Is this thing on? Y'all with me? If you don't get those holes out of that bag, it wouldn't matter. And this is how you know. This is how you know we're not thinking right about money. When this is your answer for every money problem, I just need to make more. If we would get our spending under control, we'd feel like we got a raise. Right? You you don't even want to know how much money you're spending on streaming subscriptions right now you got youtube tv you got hulu you got prime you got disney plus you got all the other you got netflix who raises their price every nine seconds they send you an email we're raising our price four dollars and we promise it won't raise again in two years you sent this three months ago your bag's got hole our bag's got holes in it It wouldn't matter what God sent us. Some of us, our lifestyles are so chaotic, if God sent us a million dollars, it would be dissolved before the end of the month. Right? 
I mean, we, we, would, we, would, we would burn through that. You, I mean, it would be unbelievable. Bags with holes. I love sports. I love, it's interesting to watch these documentaries on sports stars that make $90 million in eight years. And by the time they retire, NFL players, by the time they retire, ain't got a dime. Because their bag has holes. Their bag's got holes. We got to get our lifestyle right. We, get, we got to get, you got to get yourself under control. You got to say no. That hurts, doesn't it? If you can't pay for it, you don't deserve it. You already ate that up. With that 24% interest on that credit card you're paying every month. It is awfully quiet in this Baptist church this morning. Our bag's got holes in it. And so we sow and confess. And God sends it and it drizzles right past us. Drizzles right past us. I was talking to somebody the other day, a dear family member of mine. I love, I love them dearly. They're, they're precious. Um, they're, they're precious to me. They're one of my family members. We're talking about finances because they were needing a little bit of help. And uh, so let me ask you something. I mean, they, they debt up to their eyeballs, about four credit cards in collections. And I said, let's pretend I wrote you a check. For $50,000. This is pretend. (laughs) Let's pretend I wrote you a check for $50,000. What would you do? The first two things they would do. Buy a new iPhone and a car. Holes in the bag. Why? Because I worked too hard for my money to not be able to enjoy it. You got holes in your bag. And there is a world waiting on us to be prepared to manifest solutions to their problems, and we can't even pay the credit card off. Right? Bag's got holes in it. So the first thing we have to do, we got to get our lifestyle right. Got to get our lifestyle. It's funny. uh, I'm not going to call him out, but it cracked me up because after I preached on this last week, one of our dear brothers said, all right, after that message, I'm going to go home and uh, eat a block of cheese and some bologna and give the rest, you know, to the poor, Jesus. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Got to get our lifestyle right. Now, after we get our lifestyle under control, after you rein in yourself, you rein yourself in. That phone, that phone, I can predict, I can predict with 100% accuracy the day your phone will stop working properly. And it's the day they come out with a new one. And it's not because Apple's sabotaging it. It's because you got this spinning gear that starts itching like there is no tomorrow. That camera on that phone, oh my God. You've got 92,000 pictures on the phone you got now, and you never look but at about three of them. And they're memes. 
that you can download off the internet. But I gotta ha- I've got to have it. I've got to have it. I've seen people drive vehicles whose monthly payment is higher than their house payment. You might be a redneck if your truck payment is higher than your house payment. Right? I didn't mean that that way. I heard Tom talking. I thought, oh, I never mind. I know what he's doing. I'm not meddling now. <laughs> a bag with holes in it. And you know what we're doing while we, while we have that bag with holes? We're praying. We're fasting. Sort of. But I'm not, but you might be. <laughs> we're sowing. We're standing up on Sunday morning and saying, I am this. And like Joseph, I prosper. And the bag has holes. You got to get your lifestyle under control. After, this is the part I came to talk about. After you get your life, this is how we go from emergency living to empowered living. Okay? Get your lifestyle reined in. Get your budget right. Get your money right. Get your spending right. Put some money back for emergencies in case it, because the, the, the car's going to need some work. Okay? The kid, the, the, the four-year-old son is going to run into the wall, bust his head open, and you're going to have to go get stitches. That just happened. You got to get that right. But after you get your lifestyle right, this is what I came to tell you. You've got to get your flows right. You got to get your flows right. You will never be empowered at the level that God has intended for us if you don't develop multiple flows of income into your life. It's, it's, it's Eden, the Garden of Eden, had multiple streams feeding into it. You have to have multiple streams feeding into your life. The American dream of, and this is how it was communicated to me when I was a kid. You get out of college, you get a job, you work there for 400 years, putting a little back, and by the time you're 82, you can retire and live in the same house that you bought 400 years ago. Then you're going to die. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not signing up for that. That one or two salary life, that's the drug that we take to help us forget about our dreams. you hear me well I'm making this much money and I'm not going to take my gifts and use them in any other way and that one flow into your life is the drug that we take to make us forget everything that we dreamed of and so if we're not attaining what we dreamed of it's evil capitalism's fault You have to take those gifts that you have and turn them into other flows. Do you see what I'm saying? I'll give you an example. I don't have many gifts. I can semi-preach. Okay? That's like my thing. I teach the Bible for a living. I pastor a church and teach the Bible. I get paid. I teach at a school. I teach the Bible. 
I get paid. Stream number two. I get to travel the world and teach the Bible. I get paid. That's stream number three. I get to write books where I teach the Bible. And I'm taking my gift and I'm using it to create more flows. You have to. You will never be at the level God's called you to be on one stream feeding into your life. And the only person that can change that is you. You don't have to go beat down your your boss's door every five minutes asking for a raise. Take that gift and maximize it. Use that gift to create more flows for you. Are you hearing me? But when those flows start coming into your life, this is the part that we miss. When flows start coming into your life, that's not the time to increase your consumption. Right? And listen to me now. When those flows start coming into your life, that's not the time to save money. The Bible does not teach saving. The Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible teaches investing. And there's something radically different about the two. If you take, I'll give you an example. If you take $10,000 and you put it in a decent investment that's earning 10%, there there are two kinds of people in this world. People that pay interest and people that get paid interest. You take that investment, you put $10,000 in an investment, whatever it may be. We'll talk about that in just a second. We'll say it's earning 10% a year, which which is not unusual. You can't earn 10%. Yes, you can. My kids' college funds earn 10% a year. Yes, you can. If you earn 10% a year, your money will double in seven years. If you don't do anything to it. If you don't add anything to it. In seven years, you just doubled it. It worked for you. While you were asleep, it was out making babies. Interesting analogy, huh? Or you take that $10,000 and like a soldier, you put it on the battlefield and it goes and takes other money and brings it back to you. You didn't do anything. You did that while you were asleep. did that while you were on vacation. If you put your money in a bank savings account, you know how long it will take for your money to double if you do nothing to it? 84 years. You put $10,000 in it? 84 years, you got 20. But in 84 years, that 20 is worth three. Right? Cash that is just sitting there is actually losing value. It's losing value. If you ignore money, it will leave your life. Money follows attention. So we got to get our lifestyle right. You got to confront the reality of where you're at. You got to look at it. You ever, you ever, you ever thought about logging on to the bank account, but couldn't bring yourself to do it? Talk back to me, Hope Unlimited. Have you ever want, need it? I I know I need to, but I don't think I can stomach it right now. Too much drama. 
I'm not in the right headspace. I need to go get a coffee. I need to get a foot rub and have a therapy session. And then I will be prepared to log on and see where we're at. Y'all know what I'm talking about? You got to confront it. It's a catch-22 because if you don't pay attention to it, it leaves you. But when it leaves you, you don't want to pay attention to it. So you get in this cycle of as you're entering in the password, you start speaking in tongues. Jesus, you are Lord, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. (laughs) And then you hit enter, and you're waiting. And then it's like, put in this six-digit code. So you say, I don't even have my phone on me. I'll do it tomorrow. Somebody in Knoxville is trying to log on to your account. Do you approve? Right? Your gifts are your flows. What what do we say? Cash is, say that, cash is, it's not. Cash is not king. Cash that just sits there loses value. You know who told you to believe cash is king? The banks. How do the banks make money? They send it out. It gains interest and makes babies. And it brings it back to them. Right? Cash is not king. Cash flow is king. There is a difference. So let me say, I'm going to say this real practically. Everybody look at me. Everybody look at me. I'm going to say this as practically as I can. Y'all with me? Your gifts are the source of those different flows into your life. Some of you have a mind for business. You need to go start one or two or three. Some of you can sell. You need to go sell some stuff. Get a real estate license. Do an MLM. Do something. Start selling something. You have those gifts. You have those gifts. I, I didn't ask him if I could do this, but I'm going to use him as an example. I'm going to use Stephen as an example who has a great job, a great day job. And now he does health coaching. And in a short t- amount of time, that gift, because he works out and he's very strong and that's his life, that gift has increased his income to the degree that it is comparable with his day job and before long will surpass it. And he's making money on that while he sleeps. That's what being empowered means. When this is the this language your generation uses, when your side hustle. The older generation used to call it passive income. When your passive income side hustle, side scratch, little dip on the side, whatever you say. When that starts bringing in more money, when the cash flow from that is greater than your earned income, when the cash flow from your passive income is greater than that from your earned income, that's God's vision for us. That's what the parable of the talents is about. I'm going to give you five, and I do not want you to manage it. I want you to multiply it. 
And it doesn't matter how much you started with. One, one has five and one has two. But if you will take that two and multiply it, you don't have to multiply two to 2,000. Just multiply two to four. Double your money. But then there's a guy who goes and saves it and buries it in the ground because he wants to manage it instead of multiply. And what did the king say to him? You should have taken this money and you should have put it in the bank and it should have been generating interest for you. It should have been creating a cash flow for you. Your gifts create your flows. Listen to me. But when those flows start coming into your life, when you are working, when you are trading labor, when you are trading time, when you create a product and you're selling it, when you are trading that, that is earned income. It's earned income. When that money comes to you, that money is not to be spent. That money's not for the new car. That money's not for the new phone, the new iPad. That money is to hold until you're ready to invest it. You can invest it in the stock market. You can invest it in a business. You can invest it in. You have to put it in something that's going to write you checks while you do nothing to it. That's what the king was looking for. And when a man took five and multiplied it, by trading, by getting in the game. But he had a flow come to him. I'm going to give you five. He takes that five and multiplies it to five more. God calls him faithful. There is a man that is given one. And when the king comes back, he brings his one back. Look, I didn't lose what you gave me. My bag doesn't have a hole in it. But that's not where we're called to stop. Right? Some people get so bent out of shape over getting out of debt, and you should get out of debt, that we never dream about the future. We can't see beyond paying off the student loan. Right? We can't see beyond paying off the medical bill. So he brings him the one, and he says, look, I didn't lose it. You gave it to me, and I kept it. And he calls him a lazy. One translation calls him unproductive. You should have taken this and multiplied it. It wasn't about the fact that you just had one. It was about the fact that you had one and didn't turn it into two. And he takes that one and gives it to a man that now has ten. We never preach on the 11th talent and where it ended up. And then what does Jesus say? Those that have, more will be given. Because money makes money when you do it right. This is God's vision for us. This is what being empowered means. This is when Jacqueline needs some help, we're not still struggling paying off the car note. We've handled God's money, God's ways, and now we have flows coming into us. And now we are empowered to meet the needs of the people that we need to meet. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This might be too preachery. Maybe I should have slowed down and been more practical. I hope this is. You have something on the inside of you. Everything, every dime that God has designed for you to earn is going to be the result of the gift that you have. Your gift makes room for you. 
Your gift makes room for you. Now, you got to figure out how to take that gift and work it. God gave it to you. Now, you got to do something with it. This is why Paul said we co-labor with God. I told you last week, God did not make that chair you're sitting in. God didn't make that. God made the metal, and then somebody had to co-labor with him to turn it into something. God's given us the raw resources, and now we have to take that and turn it into something. And the more we turn it into, the more faithful he calls us. Those gifts are what attract cash flow to you. And, and, and don't, I, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear, well, it's 2021 and COVID and it's just so hard. There are people that thrived this year, this past year, that thrived, that thrived. There are people that's already come to me and talked to me and they said, we were able to give more last year than we've ever given in our life. We made more money last year than we've ever made in our life. That's what some people are telling. So don't, don't buy into that fatalistic attitude. Well, I have this dream in me, but I don't know if it's the right time. It's the right time. Go do it. Do it. I just don't know because I'm, shut up. But it is, ah, stop. But I don't, ah, stop. Go do it. Because you got to get these flows working for you. You got to get these flows feeding into you. Right? And when those flows come, I'm not going to consume that. I'm going to take it. Like he said, I'm going to invest it so now it will pay me as I don't work. That's when you know you're empowered. When your investments are making more money than you do. Then I can do what I need to do for whoever I need to do it for. You with me? I don't think that the pursuit of a financially empowered life is just for the 1% of real savvy business people. This isn't just for the Jeff Bezos of the world, which he's not the richest guy anymore, I don't think, right? Your boy Elon. It's for all of us. It's for all of us. Somebody told me the other day, you sh- there should be no Christian billionaires. There should be no Christian billionaires. Who else would you rather have it? Who else would you rather have it? What do you mean? We should have too much. When Moses tells the children, okay, you got to quit bringing your offerings. Too much. You got to stop. God wants the church to have more than enough because there's always somebody that won't have enough. We went two years ago under the bridge and fed some of the homeless people. And um, actually, I want to change that. I was talking to Goldie last week. And she, uh, she has a ministry set up at her business where she, where she feeds them. She, she fills it with food, and they come by, and they eat it and get it and eat it. And she said, I don't call them homeless. 
I call them the backpackers because I want to change their identity. I want to change the sense of who they are. I'm not going to call you homeless. You're just a backpacker walking through. But God's still got a plan for you. So we call them the backpackers, right? We were feeding the backpackers. There were three-year-old kids down there running around with needles on the ground, no shoes, under the bridge. And I was talking to one of them. He was just saying, how can we help you, man? And he said, you know what I need? He said, if I had a car, I could get to work. I just need a car. Imagine a church being empowered enough to give him a $5,000 car. That's not an expensive car. But that $5,000 just changed the entire trajectory of his life. He didn't, wanna, he didn't want me to sit there and just write him checks and hand him money. He needed a tool. He needed somebody to be empowered enough to have a tool in their hand that they could hand him and that he would go do something with it. God wants us to have more than enough because there's always going to be somebody that doesn't have enough. You hearing what I'm saying? Stand up on your feet. So we have all have homework to do. And some of us are in different stages of the game. Some of us are at the stage of the game where I need to figure out how I'm going to get groceries this week. And that's fine. I've been, hey, I've been there. I've been there. I'll tell you a story. Me and my, my wife, um, we got married in 05. She has asthma. And back in those days, if you had pre-existing conditions, you couldn't get health insurance. You were denied. I had health insurance on me. She didn't have health insurance. And I was making $300 a week, maybe. That's what you call struggling. And she got pregnant. We were going to wait. But I don't know what happened. That's what people say. I don't know what happened. She gets pregnant. We're married a year and a half. She gets pregnant. So I'm terrified. I'm terrified. Freaking out. Because now the doctor bills start ringing up. I think by the time it was all said and done, our first baby cost us $11,000. I'm making $300 a week. Okay. I didn't know what to do. I was young. I was scared. I was terrified. I was working at a ministry in the shipping department. Shipping out CDs and videos. And a friend of mine started talking to me about helping him with graphic design. I'd never done that. I didn't know what that was. So they put a program on my computer. And I don't mean a shiny, fancy MacBook. I mean a Dell where the tower was this big. 
And when you turned it on, it sounded like a plane taking off. You know what I'm saying? With a mouse that had the long wire, three keys barely worked. And the idea came to me, I'm going to learn how to do this. This was back in the days of MySpace. Y'all know MySpace? I could make some social media jokes right now, but I won't. I have deactivated my Facebook account. Somebody texted me and said, why are you on Facebook? I had to deactivate it because I knew I was going to say something I didn't need to say. And my quality of life has increased by a factor of 10. I have this computer, and they put Photoshop on there. I'm like, all right. I don't know what I'm doing. I drive to a bookstore. I buy a book on Photoshop. I take my computer home. I lug that thing, throw it in the back of my, my truck, my, my, my Jeep, drive it home on the weekends and teach myself Photoshop. Then I get connected with a company, and I learn how to design MySpace pages. MySpace pages. When I learned how to do that, I started a little business. It was a, I don't know that I was gifted at it. I could do it. And I made enough MySpace pages to pay our doctor bills. Because I found something that I had in my hand and converted it into a flow. Then we got pregnant a second time. Don't know how that happened either. And by that time, I had really developed my skills. And I was able to pay for our second because my wife still couldn't get insured. I was able to pay for her. Hers were like 8600 because my wife decided not to have an epidural. I'd have paid $50,000. Right? I'd have found $50,000 to never have to go through this beside the point. I digress. It's like Vietnam in there. Got PTSD. (laughs) But I took what was in my hand and cash flowed two babies because I took what was in my hand and created a flow out of it. And that branched off into this and that branched off into that and that branched off into that. And in the middle of all that, we launch a school. And in the middle of all that, the phone starts ringing and people start wanting me to come preach. And then I lay that aside and now I'm doing this. But I took what was in my hand and created a flow out of it. And those flows fed me. Never buy into the lie that where you're at is where you're going to stay. Stop believing that. And I don't care how old you are. This is easy to hear if you're 19 and you're freshman year of college and you got big dreams. It's a little bit harder to hear when you're 50. And you hadn't been preparing for this. You can still, you can still be empowered at the level God's called you to be. We just got to take these flows, we got to take these gifts and create flows out of them. And then take that, don't consume it, put it to work for us. You with me? Lift your hands to the Lord. Father, we thank you today. You're awesome, you're glorious, you're wonderful, you're mighty. We bless you. We bless you. Father, I thank you for every person in this room, every gift, every talent, every ability. 
I pray for creativity. I pray for fresh ideas. I pray, God, that you, you have the solution. You have the solution to every financial struggle in this room. God, help us get our lifestyle right. Help us get our lifestyle right and help us get our flows right. God, help us do that. Help us do that. Holy Spirit, you are the greatest financial advisor we would ever have. And we lean into your wisdom and we lean into your understanding. We lean into the kingdom of God's ways of doing things. God, we have big dreams and we know if we do this your way, we can. you will do exceeding abundantly above everything we've ever dreamed. So we lean on you for this, Lord. We lean on you for this. In Jesus' name. Everybody shout hallelujah. Come on, shout hallelujah. To our online family, we love you so much. We can't wait to see you. Let me say this. Let me say this. Let me say this. I want to challenge everybody in here. Be praying this week. I really hope that we don't have a crazy week in in the country with the inauguration and things of that nature. Let's be praying that there's peace and that calm prevails. And you don't have to throw gas on the fire on Facebook. You really don't, I promise. I know, listen, look at me. I know you feel that if you don't say that, you're going to explode. If I don't get this out, I'm going to punch a baby. I know you feel that way. If I don't say this, I'm going to kick something. Well, go ahead and kick something, but don't say it. Don't punch a baby, but kick something. Right? You really, you really don't have to get it out. I had to tell myself that you really don't have to say that. Oh, but I do. Oh, but I do. Because there's nothing like a good Facebook burn. You really don't. The Bible says a fool gives full vent to his emotions. Rain, Rain it in. Rain it in. Let's be praying. And I want you to be dreaming this week. I want you to be dreaming this week. I want to hear the word. We always say this. I want to stand in heaven and hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. This is what he's talking about. It wasn't because you went to church for 100 years. It's because you didn't manage what he gave you. You multiplied it. Don't manage. Multiply. We love you so much. We'll see you next Sunday. Don't forget students this Wednesday. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit hopeunlimited.church slash give. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Hope Unlimited Church.